Hey, this is Andrew Cordell, and I'm the CEO of Power Room right here in the United States. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then you must listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsas. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me. His name is Andrew Cordol. He is an acclaimed author, international speaker with over $350 million sold from stage alone. You may know him better as the host of The Money Is Show, a show where he hosts today's leaders and influencers in authentic business conversations about money. He has interviewed hundreds of experts, including masters of the industry like Kevin O'Leary, Gary Vanyacek, and Grant Cardone. He contributes as a partner in a multi-billion dollar enterprise made up of 23 current companies, one of which is a real estate development with a portfolio of $1.5 billion. Andrew, a massive welcome to you to the show today. Happy to be here, man. Excited to be here. Two different worlds colliding from New Zealand and America. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, I've just given our listeners a little bit of background about you. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your your background? Not much. You know, I, I'm happy to be here and I'm an entrepreneur at heart and grew up as an entrepreneur and 20 years later still starting companies. And I think last night I had a major idea on a new NFT project that I took to my team yesterday. And of course, they mainly get upset at me because it's another idea company we had to go start. But I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so I love every minute of it. And so those ideas, do they come through often from you? They, unfortunately or fortunately, have you want to look at it, a lot of times they do. I have learned throughout the years how to decipher and kind of filter those. A lot of times you can get shiny object syndrome and chase different things too often. And where I'm at now, obviously it changes as you get bigger and bigger into companies, business. But, you know, you need to think about it right now is in going into leadership even a little bit here is learning as a leader of the team, which decisions to make that have massive potential and which ones, yes, you could make something off of. Yes, you could do something. But is it, what is that going to cost your staff, your team, your employees? What's the rippled effect of that as a leader just to go do this other thing? So there's a, definitely a process and a filter I have to go through now as I've grown. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and I find that there's a lot of people out there, entrepreneurs, leaders, and that they procrastinate and they don't get on with something. Or they're the other end whereby, as you said, the shiny thing, they're on to the next thing and they don't finish something or they don't have the team behind them to to sort of clean up and actually bring it and bring it to life. Yeah. What's one or two thoughts or one or two things you might suggest to people who are procrastinating in something or that they have too many shiny things? What should they do? 
Yeah, obviously those are two different ends of the spectrum, right? And it's really, I would tell people, I think it's just part of your DNA. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily something that's negative or bad. It's just kind of who you are. And there's all kinds of tests and stuff that you can take to try to clarify stuff for you. But for me, I'm a person that needs very little what's called information to actually make a decision. I can look at the idea, the vision, and the concept, and I'm willing to make a a decision on that, which, Mm. which... is great because I can move fast and I'm willing to move quick on a, on a topic. Negative is if you're not careful, you'll get into shiny object syndrome and you'll start chasing things uh, because it's a, oh, there's new, especially when you're young and you're just starting into it mm. because everything's a great idea. So the, the advantage is you're quick, but you're also double-edged short. You can make a, a lot of bad decisions jumping in too many things at one time. To that person, I would say find out of all the little ideas that are coming through, put the filters in place. And one of the filters that I always, always start with right now in business is, do I actually love this thing? Do I enjoy this concept? If I went and built this, it's not about money. Would I actually enjoy doing this? I think a lot of entrepreneurs get caught and even leaders get caught in doing something they don't like because they started to go down the path. And even though they may find financial success, they're still not happy with what they're doing. On the flip side of it would be analysis paralysis side, which is where you have to have all the details and all the information to make a decision. And there's, again, double-edged sword there. But those people struggle a lot of obviously just getting anything off the ground because there's no way as a leader, you're going to have, always have all the information. It doesn't exist. You're having to use your gut and sometimes make educated guesstimates with as much data as you can get. But there's always going to be that X factor. And for people that are too engineered, wired, they have to have every X and O attached. They struggle a lot in making decisions and entrepreneurship as well as leadership, of course. There you go, listeners. You've heard it. What a start to the episode. I mean, crikey. At the end of it, what I'm hearing from both sides of that kind of scenario there, Andrew, is make a decision. Whether you procrastinate, make a decision. It's never going to be perfect. And then on the other side, if it's a shiny thing, make a decision, but you know, have those filters as well. So pretty cool. Very good. Hey, look, I um I asked this question here and some people sort of think about, oh, what are you, what, what, what is this uh, thing? And, and it is, how did you get into leadership? More of a natural process. You know, I, I think all, in my opinion, I think leaders, a couple of things here, and I'll go a little bit philosophical here with you. I think leaders are born I think there's something that's inside of them that it's a natural instinct for them. However, great leaders, I don't believe, ever look for the leadership roles. They just do what they do. And part of a a great leader is knowing how to make decisions, what we just talked about. And because people in a broad stroke struggle with making decisions, it naturally leaders who can make decisions have learned how to filter or program themselves to be able to make decisions kind of naturally rise to the top inside of corporations and so forth because they're willing to make decisions. So I think great leaders, I think a lot of leaders are born. Now, I'm not saying that you can't even become a leader, but there is a difference between a naturally talented leader and then a leader that has read, studied, listened, and became a leader. And then, of course, the best leaders are the ones that are naturally born. And then they spend time reading, listening, study, and and sharpening that sword, if you will, to a gift that they have to become a leader. So for me, leadership was as an entrepreneur, as my companies grew, it put me in a you know natural role where I had to be willing to make decisions and became, through that, became a leader, basically. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, that's good. Very good. And your favorite leader, you know, this person can be from alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? I was thinking about this question and it's hard because I have two that mm-hmm. I want to give you. 
And one, one for the audience will mean very little, but the other one, maybe a little bit more. Honestly, as I thought through this and, and I love reading and studying and, and I, behind my wall, you can't see it, not the wall here, but the one on the other side, I have original autographs from some of the greatest entrepreneurs that have ever lived on my wall behind me, original autographs chased down from the 1800s and, and generals of war, et cetera. But I think that when I thought that question, honestly, the first thing that came to my mind, it was actually just my father. And part of that is because there's two things in life. There's impact and there's influence. And those are not the same things. Impact as a leader is when you go very deep with a person, but it's very narrow. Meaning when you create impact in someone's life, you cannot impact everybody's life. Impact is going very deep in a relationship, but very narrow. You're only going to be able to reach so many people. And then there's influence, which is where influence is very wide. And you can have a lot of influence as a leader, but they're kind of shallow. And not, not that they're a shallow person, but the relationship is not in depth as say my father's was because it was impact driven. And without getting more into my father, because again, I don't think it maybe applies to all the people, but the word that I would give you the most uh, that he taught me was the word discernment. And I think in life, there's a very key word that we have to understand is called discernment. And it's a unique word that a lot of people struggle with or don't understand. And it's something my father always had. It was a gift of his and he always tried to pass down. The other one, though, that I love to study is actually a leader named Nick Saban. And uh, for those that don't know him, he's the college football coach of Alabama. And the reason that I love studying Nick Saban is because as a leader, when you create an environment of winning as a team it is one thing for a leader to win. It is one thing for a leader to get to the top position. It is another thing for a leader to be able to stay at the top. Those are not the same things. There's always people that can shoot up very fast, get to the a top, if you will, and then they can't stay there. Watching a leader in a high pressure situation be able to stay continuously at that top position and rarely falter is an incredible, I mean, that is, that is, it is one of a kind. And I love from the background watching him and what he does and, and teaches of how to have that sustained success. Excellent. And so when, I mean, you're so right. I mean, whether it's a high performing or a leader, entrepreneur, anything in life, you can get to a certain level, but you're right. Staying there is a totally different game. And what is one of the two things you think that people will do or you see him doing that actually encourages or helps people to stay at that level? It's a great question. I think that studying him and then trying to follow my own entrepreneurial journey as it, as it grows has been to understand, I think most leaders slash we'll talk about business owners or corporate, you can kind of choose one or two options here. You can choose a life of achievements or you can choose a life of fulfillment. And as a leader, those are not the same things. As a leader, when you choose a life of achievements, it's when you're trying, someone else has predetermined what success looks like in our world. And you have to reach this thing called achieve, an achievement you have to reach because it's going to make you feel successful. And a lot, a lot of people stay right there and living a life of achievement. And what I think people really are looking for is they should choose a life of fulfillment. And fulfillment is where you understand that it's never about an end goal. It's about today. It's about this afternoon. It's about this evening. And I have to stack up wins constantly in my life. And not I'm not trying to get to an end goal. I'm trying to constantly stay focused right where I am and feel fulfillment in the moment that I'm living in. That is a totally different life of achievements versus fulfillments. And I think those leaders who find long-term success, 
they find, it's not they don't have drive, they have massive drive, but they understand how to live in the moment, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process and not get hyper-focused on a destination because once you reach the destination, that's the achievement side. Once you, if, if you're all driven by destination and not the journey, not the process, when you get to the achievement or the destination, you lose so much because that's what your drive was and you can't stay there. Yeah, yeah. Is it the same with people who, you know, go in and drive, drive, drive for money and then they get there, and then, but they then don't always hold it. A great example is someone who wins lotto. I mean, okay, they're lucky. They've, they've won something. Are they lucky? I don't know. But they've won something. But the time, for a lot of them, they don't actually hang on to the money. Is that because they haven't grown with it? Yeah, so two different things there. The first one let's talk about, which is where someone is driven by highly driven off by money. And and full disclosure, I mean, look, when I started entrepreneurship, I came from a very poor family and I was the first one, kind of first generation to go into this world. And I was driven by money. Here's the issue with it. When you're driven by money, which is choosing a life of achievements, you have, you're trying to get to this end goal, this end achievement. And when you make your first million, what happens is it's now 5 million and the goalpost will change. And then when you get 5 million, it's like, oh, I need to make a million dollars a month. And it will change again. And what happens is you're never sad. You never have fulfillment because you're chasing something. And the the bigger picture here is what's driving you is negativity. And this is a big piece of people miss when they're, when they're trying to chase money. What's driving that person outside is negativity. What I mean by that is they have a negative feeling about their past. Not that they're upset about with their family or something, but they don't like that they didn't have certain things as a kid. They don't like they were made fun of or didn't have the clothes or, did, or they didn't go on vacations or they didn't have this food, whatever it was. And because of this, well, what they didn't have is negativity is driving them to get to their achievement. And every time they get there, they can't be happy because... Again, it's never about personal fulfillment. It's about reaching this goal and it will just continually change. That's why you will find wealthy people all over the world that have plenty of money. I have friends this way. They have plenty of money, more money than I do, but they're miserable. It's because they have no fulfillment. They're choosing achievements. And so the other side of that question that you asked me was when someone runs a lottery and they will lose lose the money there. That, I believe, on my show, the money is show. What I really have discovered on the money side is that Money is a, I, I classify it this way. Money is a game in any game, whether it be rugby, which we talked about, or a board game that people play or a video game. Any game that you know of has rules. And when you don't understand those rules and play by those rules, you cannot win at that game. Money is a game and money has rules to it. And if you don't play by those rules, you can't win at the game of money. And so when someone wins a lottery and they win $20 million, it doesn't mean that they know what the rules are or how to play by the rules. It just means they were able to surpass everything, pass, go, collect a big check, but they're still playing by the old rules that they were, that they know that they about money, which are not the right rules. Therefore, they'll lose it again. Money is a game and you have to understand the rules of money. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Brilliant. Thank you. The show here, Andrew, is called Leadership is Changing. Yeah. That title or that statement, what does that mean for you? Oh, it's very, very true. Very true. And I think is what is part of what can make a great leader is that leaders constantly have to be willing to adapt. And there's certain people, again, that they struggle with change and they want something fixated and they want it. Again, I don't want to pick on this one industry, but sometimes engineers love the same thing, plug and play, put it in and it does it, it has the same outcome every time. And there's brilliance in that for sure. But a lot of times people struggle with change. Great leaders, I think, especially in today's market, I think we look for change. I am constantly looking for change. I'm not waiting for change. I'm not trying to ever react to change. 
I'm trying to proactively find where I can change, probably find where we can make adjustments to grow as a company, as a leader. So I think change, the, the title of the podcast is extremely truth to it. And I think great leaders always are looking for change, never trying to allow change to happen to them. Yeah, I love it. Run to the change. Look for it. Be proactive, as Andrew's saying, because the thing is, if uh, for a lot of people, Andrew, I find that they're, they're afraid of change. They, I mean, no one likes change, but, you know, hey, embrace it, take it on and go for it. I think it's really, really important for us to, for us to do for sure. It's part of the growth process, right? Like when you, as a leader, every time that you are able to adjust and change, you're actually mm. growing. And the reason I think a lot of times people hate it or, or don't like it is because when you have growth, just as a kid, as a baby, uh, when you have, or in business, when you have growth or as an individual, when you have growth, along with growth change comes growing pains. And there's that word pain that people don't like because when you are growing, there's going to be things you have to give up, forego and, and get rid of or add to your plate. And so because of the growing pains, I think people try to stay away from change as much as possible. Great leaders look for change because they want to grow as a person, as a, as a husband, as a father, as a company, as a leader. We want to have to go through that pain so that we can grow. It's part of our process. Yeah, absolutely. And that change, as you said, the pain is the uh, just like going to the gym. You haven't been there for a while, you know. There's pain. And there's pain. Yeah, absolutely. And it's but it's what you the way I look at it is there's a lot of things that are out of our control, but there are two things that are definitely in our control. Our attitude and the way we react to it. And number two is where we're going next with it. And I think it's spot on what you just said was how do you take on that change and move forward and embrace it and, and run with it and be proactive? I think it's I think it's really great. Andrew, what makes a leader successful today? In a fast-paced, ever-changing world, it's just going, changing socially, technology, business-wise, it's changing all the time. What makes them successful? Well, part of it is what we just talked about is, and that's why I was saying tying into the, the culture of our market, because mm. it, is, it is one of the fastest, not one of, it is the fastest-paced markets, uh, cultures that, we, that have ever been in existence. And of course, in the future, it will even be faster and faster and faster. It's not going to slow down. It's going to get faster. And so I think as leadership as our culture changes and our world changes, the leaders have to change with it. You know, 200 years ago, leaders could make slower decisions because life was slower. That's the truth of the matter. Life was slower. Yep. In today's world, look at this show that we're shooting right now. I am in Utah. You are in uh, New Zealand. We are a, almost a day apart. I think it's, I think you said, I don't know if I'm, uh, it's like Saturday or something there. We're a day apart. That's how much, how fast life is moving that we are in two different days right now, but we're still together on this, on this call. And because of that, if leadership doesn't grow and change with our times, it's one of the biggest things that has to happen as a leader. The fact, the second thing uh, to your question there, as far as what makes a leader successful today, past changing, is I think they have to keep their thumb, meaning their, their pulse on their team. Because what I've noticed in the several uh, past years is what my, what drove certain employees, uh, four, five, six years ago does not necessarily drive certain employees today. And if a leader does not understand what is what is motivating and what can inspire and what can uh, help drive their team, they will fade as a leader because people constantly, myself included, we look for leadership. When your team, your the people you're managing cannot find that leadership inside of you because you don't understand what is actually important to them individually. I think this is a big change that's happening in our society where it used to be fairly straightforward and money and a higher paycheck and a better benefit would kind of motivate and drive people. And in the last five years, there's been a shift 
of what and there's been all kinds of studies to actually prove this the shift of what uh, people in their in your in your company that you're managing are looking for uh, that motivates them inspires them to want to be part of your team so as a leader it's important to stay on top of what is actually individually motivating inspiring to your team members yeah yeah absolutely and so leader employees are definitely looking for that for more from leaders as well when they don't see it or they don't get it from they don't have that great experience with the leaders what are they what are you seeing happening with leader uh, employees today what are they doing well it's the beginning of the end is what happens <laughs> what's taking place and no nice. matter how you cut that up it's the beginning of the end whether that be the end may be in a year from now, the end may be in five years from now, but I promise the beginning of the end just started. When you don't, when your team doesn't feel like they can communicate with you, find leadership with you, find a bigger purpose with what you're pushing and driving and taking them somewhere as, as the leader, the beginning of the end is officially just started. And unfortunately, down that process as that takes place, the beginning of the end, it's not a great journey for the entire time. And then boom, a bad ending. It starts a downhill process and it just keeps going downhill, 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 downhill. So if it's three years, it's three years of downhill, which means you're never going to get the production you needed. You're never going to get the environment that you needed. You're never going to get the end result that you were looking for because your team, one member, two members or five members are now on a downward slide on the way out because they cannot view you as a leader. It's the beginning of the end. Yep. That's the expectations of what employees are looking for leaders. They want a leader to be there strong, to be there with them, to move forward. And, and as Andrew's just sharing here, listeners, it's, it's important that we understand that, that employees will move on. And Andrew, what we're seeing right now is, and I'm pretty sure it's in your country, but we're seeing it here too now, it's starting, is the great resignation is what people are calling it, labeling it. Yeah. But we're seeing people are now voting with their feet, like, you know what? Nah, I'm out of here. The other thing too is we've seen people over a period of time whereby They've actually had the last sort of 18 months, two years around lockdowns and so forth. It's a couple of things I think have happened for them, and I'd love to get your thoughts. I think one is people are re-evaluating their lives, going, you know what? I don't like what's just happened. I want to take more control. And then the second thing is people are going and upskill themselves and thinking, you know what? I want to go and do off something that I've really been wanting to do. What, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you in, in the it's happening here in the states as well. The great resigna- resignation, as you refer to, in that there's all kinds of companies, corporations here that literally cannot get people to to, to hire. I was just by uh, I was getting food at a restaurant recently, and they had moved to a we will pay you every day. We normally get paid every two weeks or something. They said, okay, hey, if you if you start work Friday, you get paid Friday, and you get paid Saturday and Sunday just to try to motivate people to to I'll pay you by the, by the end of the day I'll pay you, and because uh, this is great resignation. Now, why I think it goes to very very true into what you just said. I'll break it and put it into a, a, a let's say a teaching bucket of I think you're finding people. During this lockdown shift that kind of forced us to, to, to go into, there's good and bad, right? In, in every situation. And this goes back to what is your interpretations that's happening, your filters that you have on life. But when you, in this scenario that we're, we're talking about, I think people are starting to realize fulfillment was actually really important to them. And because now all of a sudden they're with their family, because maybe they're working from home now and they realize, wait a second, the reason I was working so hard and, and pushing so much and driving so hard and, and, and trying to get to the next level is because I wanted to spend more time with my family. And now that and what happens is they, they don't spend time with their family trying to get to the point again of achievements so that they can make enough money so they can then turn around and spend time with their family. And I think during this big, weird, you know, unique space that we're in, people have realized, wait a second, I can actually spend time with my family right now. I don't have to get to a certain achievement to then be able to 
do the things in life that I actually love, which is my, my kids, my wife, my partner. And I, so I think it's very on point of what you were saying. Uh, and to put it in a bucket would be, I think people are realizing, wait a second, fulfillment, happiness, true happiness is determined by me, not someone else, not by if I'm making 85,000 this year or 91,000 this year. Happiness is what I determine is what makes me happy, not what someone else determines, and that's fulfillment. Yeah, brilliant. I love it. And I love how you're sort of relaying it back to what you are saying before about achievement versus fulfillment as well, and I think that's really good. Andrew, if I was to get your crystal ball out now and start thinking about the future here, where do you see leadership being in five years? Even faster. Yeah. (laughs) It goes back to what we're talking about. It's only going to go one way. And that is faster. And we as leaders and listeners on the podcast that are leaders, you have to make a conscious choice to be willing to grow at a high rate of speed if you want to stay and and be a leader in five years from now. If you think that your skill set that you have right now in five years from now is it, that you're still going to be a leader. That is not true. That is a myth that you have created in your own head because in five years from now, leadership will change so much. I mean, if you start stop and think about the, the metaverse and how the whole world is starting to change into this new meta world. Okay. As a leader, we have to start understanding more of, even though it's not that is not my forte, kind of the, I'll call it under the video game, digital world that, that people are starting to live in right now. It's not my forte, but I have to be willing to go study that and start to understand that because that is where leaders are going to be headed down in five years from now. I think that in the next five years, we're going to see a lot of change, not just in leadership, but across our world as we know it. There's some massive changes headed our way. As a leader, you better start getting ready, A, to be willing to move that fast, but B, how do you start preparing for it now so that you're ready for it in five years? There you go, listeners. Time to wake up and start preparing for the future. As Andrew's just sharing, it's going to get a lot faster. And so you need to be on top of your game to be able to handle it and move yourself and your organization through it nicely. Andrew, thank you for joining us on today's show. Hey, if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Yeah. Great question, and and it's sincerely an honor to be here, man. I think uh, if you want to get a hold of me, just go to my Instagram. I'm a person who actually responds to my DMs. I have not haven't reached enough followers yet to not respond. So it's my first last name at Andrew Cordell. And if you DM me, I promise I will probably be at night my time, but I will DM you back and try to help you any way that I can. I, I love to help people sincerely. Awesome, Andrew. Absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.